And we are live. Today, I'm joined by Valentin Radu, who is the CEO of OmniConvert, and we are going to talk about RFM segmentation. So, Valentin, welcome. Let me say that since um, you came into my network, I'd never even heard of RFM segmentation, just to be completely honest. And it's been something that I think you guys have really pioneered the way for or made popular, especially on LinkedIn. So I'm really excited to talk to you about it and learn and extract value. And hopefully everyone who has an e-commerce store who maybe even works in the agency game will take some value away from this session. So do you want to start off and frame it and basically just explain on a very basic high level what RFM segmentation is? Yeah, of course. First of all, thanks a lot for having me, Adam. And thanks a lot for watching us because I know it's uh, kind of late and uh, maybe it uh, sounds a bit uh, awkward, RFM and segmentation. Maybe you, you don't have uh, the, the brain capacity to invest into this thing, but I can assure you that it's very, very easy and you will be at least one pixel more smarter after this, uh, this session. So RFM stands for recency, frequency and monetary value. So uh, mainly we have two options. We either continue what we have been doing all our lives with our email marketing campaigns, with our ad campaigns, with our approach towards uh, e-commerce growth, or we start to become more smarter and come up with a tailor-made approach. So uh, we, we discovered that RFM works in e-commerce. It's uh, on this, uh, as a concept, it's, it's a, as old as from the 70s. So back in the 70s, the direct marketing companies were trying to save some money for not advertising to the wrong customers. And that's why we've, they've started to, to, to give ratings for their customers for these three different aspects. So uh, you have the lowest scores and the highest scores in terms of how recently a customer has bought. You have the highest scores and the lowest scores in terms of how many orders the customers have been placing, and you have the monetary value, how much they've spent. Now, time has gone, has, uh, has passed, and uh, we are now using RFM in the digital arena. It's not that expensive to send emails, but you can be more relevant to customers because thanks to the RFM segmentation, you have super consumers. We call them the soulmates, right? We have this uh, uh, way to label them. Uh, based on how how much a customer is loving your brand. So we have soulmates, which are the best customers out there. They bought the most recently, the most frequently, and they have the highest monetary value. So you are using RFM segmentation to become relevant in your marketing efforts because people are having different relationships with, their, with the companies and with the brands it's uh, more easy than ever to switch from a provider to another one. So mainly if you want to change your grocery, if you want to change the fashion store that you're using, you simply, I don't know, you swipe or you do like an alt tap and that's it. You've switched your provider. It's not as it used to be. So mainly the, the ability to switch is so high and you have such a competitive market out there that RFM segmentation is now crucial for companies willing to, to, to move the needle uh, by doing advanced stuff. Because it's this transition from clicks to relationships. And uh, we need to, to become customer-centric if we want to try. It's not only about the right price and the right product. It's also about the customer experience. And it's also about being relevant to the, 
to, to our customers. So with RFM, you can, you can do a lot of uh, stuff, but all in all, it's about becoming relevant to, to your customers. Okay, interesting. So it's got its historical roots in direct mail, and I know you mentioned email, how it may be applicable to there. Can you give us some practical applications of when you would use RFM segmentation, maybe beyond email, and how it sort of comes together in that omni-channel approach, everything from ads, even maybe to win-back campaigns, all yeah. marketing channels. How would you start to leverage an RFM model? Yeah, so uh, basically we, we are coming after two decades of acquisition marketing. Now that the cookies are gone, now that we have a lot of players in the market, we, we need to do something about it. And that something is to look at the total life cycle of the of the customer. We call this CVO, customer value optimization, which is an approach to, to understand what kind of value you need to, go, to give to your customers and how much value can you be able to extract as a company from that customer. And it's actually a whole methodology. RFM is a crucial part of the CVO because it captures, first of all, it captures the ideal customer profile because not all the customers are created equally. So a single soulmate is as valuable in terms of the net margin that they generate as 376 different uh, low value customers. So maybe it's crazy to acquire the wrong customers and to pay a lot of money because we have this uh, customer lifetime value versus CAC as a ratio that, that's showing that the company is making money or not. It's a, it's a healthy business or not. So with the RFM, you first start by doing customer research. So you understand which are your best customers, what kind of products they are buying, why they are buying through the qualitative research, and you do also NPS so, so that you are making sure that your best customers are pleased and happy about what you're delivering. Many, many e-commerce companies are shipping products without understanding that there are human emotions over there. And people are not buying based on what they get, but based on how they feel about what they get, which this is the, the, the important aspect. So with the RFM, you identify your best customers and you can understand what kind of products to source, what kind of products to push in your acquisition campaigns. And moreover, you can use the, the way they are verbalizing why they buy the product, the products that you're selling in your ad campaigns as well. So you can use RFM as a customer research tool so that you can nail acquisition better and also to build lookalike audiences and target to the right customers. Because now, as we all know, the Facebook algorithm and the cookies are gone, so you need to improve the algorithm. And that thing can be made through RFM segmentation. So that's a way to use RFM besides doing lifecycle marketing and better email campaigns. Uh, another way to use RFM segmentation is to uh, come up with the right products because you can see the buying habits or of your best customers. Let me let me tell you a story. When we first started to do RFM segmentation, we were doing conversion rate optimization for one of our customers, a shoe retailer, and they they were uh, they, their margin was going down as the competitive landscape was uh, was harder. Uh, and what we discovered was that that Pareto principle was there. So we looked at how much revenue is being generated by one-time customers, two-times customers, and so on. After realizing that, we applied the RFM methodology and we understood that there are out of their 65 brands, there were only four brands 
which were having uh, were were having the most sticky customers, right? So if the customers were starting to buy with those four particular brands, the CLV was more than double if we compared to any other brand. And that opened up their eyes. Another thing that they discovered that was that their best customers were coming from smaller cities, like cities with less than 40,000 inhabitants, because they weren't having big shopping malls. They haven't got all these uh, other options to buy quality shoes. And that was another insight. So their acquisition started to, to, to be focused towards smaller cities, which was not something that you could discover if you were looking only at the overall revenue. Because it's clear that if you have, if you compare London with Leeds or whatever, I'm not going to say anything about <laughs> you might have different, uh, different results, right? But the idea is to, to be profitable. So RFM is a way to become way more profitable than, than you were. And uh, last but not the least, it's uh, RFM It's also helping to, to come up with a better customer journey. Our first customer, let's say our guinea pig, right? Because they, 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 they approved to, to, to start using our technology at the first, uh, back in 2019, they, uh, they were selling office supplies, right? And they, with the RFM and with the NPS, they've started to, to understand, hey, we need to prioritize when a soulmate is placing an order, we wanna stay in less than five minutes response time. So if, if they place an order, if they have a ticket, if they send a bad NPS, a low NPS score, we wanna have five minutes. And they've made, uh, made something like a, a red rectangle when a, when a soulmate has made all of those, uh, any of those events. And that made them get to an NPS of 93 and their company is now uh, quadrupled in size. So mainly the, the, because they, they knew who are the, their best customers and they identified early on that, hey, this is a high potential customer that, uh, that, it's, uh, that, that we need to keep. Yeah, it's super interesting. It, you mentioned how it can be used, as you said, to drive insights and as a research methodology as well. Would I be correct in assuming that the theory would be, so we talked about the soulmates, right? People who have like a really high score. Are you looking to drill down and look for commonalities across the soulmates? For example, um, what makes them so happy? What products do they buy? And then apply that research into the whole omni-channel approach. So to improve acquisition, marketing messages, like how you position your products. Is that the, the goal of using RFM on a practical level? Yeah, on a practical level is to, to, to come up with, a, to get rid of the one size fits all approach. So it's, it's allowing you, instead of uh, doing post-purchase flows like, hey, here's 20% discount, come again, buy again from us. You can blend first party data like RFM segmentation with zero party data. So you can craft flows based on how valuable is that group to the business and you can afford to, to be more generous, let's say with those customers because you don't want to lose them. And in, in this manner, you, your company is going to, re, to, to become way better in treating those customers than your competitors. So maybe it's a way to retain customers by being relevant, by also, but also by being generous with your best customers. We, we are all uh, seeing these uh, telecom traps, right? Where 
even though we are customers for 15 years, we get the shittiest services if we compare with the new customers. So I think that that must, must stop because that's why the companies are losing customers because they offer, they're all always hunting for new customers despite the fact that their best customers are, are the loyal ones, right? Do you think, what would you, your response be to someone who says, well, there's just a natural churn, right, in the companies that you can't retain everyone forever and that actually you need like a constant source on the top of acquisition <clears throat> because some people are naturally going to leave. They're going to try something else because as we know, you know, this, this bleeds over in the markets of people just buying from other brands yeah. or maybe they get old, maybe they stop using the product, their interests change. Um, yeah. How realistic is it to like double down on RFM in that sense when maybe like the counter argument could be if you turn off the tap of acquisition, then you could get into trouble in that way as well? And that's right. I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not claiming that acquisition is less important than customer retention or vice versa. It's, uh, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's not like the, the, uh, the last... It is like in attribution, right? We, we are not debating about the last click or the first click because all those points are important. We, we are debating over having relevant messaging towards based on the life cycle of the, of the customer, right? If you have a customer that used to buy six times from you and you, have, you know the, 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 the job to be done by your product to those type of customers, you know what's the average purchase frequency and you have customers that are way less than those ones, you need to fix the acquisition because customer value optimization starts with the acquisition. You start with acquiring the right customers for the right products. If you help them make progress in their lives, then they will come back and buy again. They will have the affinity with your brand. If you don't help them make progress and if your customer experience is poor, then you're losing a lot of opportunity. So. I don't think customer retention is like gravity. It's a given, right? You can't mm -hmm. sell uh, four times to a customer because the data, you know, we have this benchmark based on 2000 plus uh, e-commerce stores. We can see the purchase frequency. We can see the CLV on each of those verticals. So if uh, you are selling coffee and the average, the average shop has a, a purchase frequency of 58 and your store is uh, having a purchase frequency of 2.5, it's clear that you are in the last quarter and you need to do something about it. Because the, I think the most dangerous thing is to think that you're done, that you've fixed everything and you just need to tweak out some uh, uh, creatives and some uh, landing pages. It's not that. And I think the most affected part, ne neglected part of the whole marketing and e-commerce is customer research. So we don't know, like Peter Drucker said, you know, we don't know why our customers are buying our products. However, we continue to acquire customers like this without realizing, hey, our customers are buying because of that or the other. Yeah, no, it's super interesting. Something we should do at some point is just bring like a store and do a case study live and like try and create strategy over like a three hour session on LinkedIn, yeah. that, that would be really interesting and show. We can do that. Of yeah, course. that would be I, really. I love cool. that. And uh, uh, one important aspect, uh, Adam, is to 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 understand how RFM works because there are few people which are understanding the power of RFM because it's there are these flows. We build those flows 
like everyone has the same value. But if we understand that, hey, the soulmates are 300 times more important than the breakups, yeah, the low value customers that never come back. You paid $30 to acquire them and you made $20 in margin. So you are losing $10 for 50,000 customers, you know? So multiply $10 with 50,000 customers and, and you then tell me if you, if you need to stop and to do some research. I'm not claiming that you can triple or quadruple the business like those guys yeah. did. What I'm claiming is that maybe it's time to know your customers better. Maybe it's time to do customer research better. Maybe it's time to see how the customers are, are moving through uh, from one group to another. With your acceptance, I can, I can pull out this uh, uh, yeah. right here, which, uh, which I've been using. Just a second. Let me pull it on for you. Please confirm that you can uh, you can see my screen. I'm gonna add it to the stream now. There we go. Right. Wow, yeah. you're teaching me new things about StreamYard I never knew before. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So mainly imagine that we have the new passions here, right? 100 new customers that have way higher potential than the other ones. So they start their journey with the with the store with the best score in terms of recency because they placed their order in the last 30 days with the lowest score in terms of frequency is their first purchase and with the highest score in terms of monetary value. So despite the fact that they placed only a single order, they are among the best ones in terms of uh, customer lifetime value. After 30 days, some of them will place two plus orders, let's say five of them, yeah? 5% of them will place two plus orders, 20% of them will place one more order and 75% of them will not do anything else. So the labels are, the tags are going to be automatically applied to them. So 20% of them will be potential lovers, 5% of them will be lovers and 75% of them will be new passions. With the right flow in the 31st day, with the right remarketing ads, with the right email flows, which are triggered for the new passions, which are, are in their 30 day, you can do a campaign so that you can change this new reality that 70 out of 75 will not do anything. So it's called the window of opportunity. And with the RFM, you can understand what is the average days between the transactions for the best customers, because you can't expect someone to buy again if they are not happy and they haven't consumed the product. It's crazy to think that you, you can push incentives to someone which has not been using a product at all, or he, they haven't consumed, I don't know, some creams or perfumes or whatever kind of products you're selling. It's crazy. And many, many companies are pushing discount campaigns. So instead of pushing incentives to increase their ability to, to, to buy, maybe you can understand what stopped them from consuming the product. And that thing must be done over here, right? So you can trigger flows, not to push them towards buying again, but to let you know, hey, have you used the product? And if not, what stopped you from using the product? How was your experience with the product? Because otherwise they will realize and customers are not stupid, right? We are consumers as well. They will think that you are looking them at them like an ATM machine. And they, of course they will not buy just because you, you, you have triggered some uh, incentive with, in terms of here's a discount, here's a voucher for it. So mainly as time goes by, 
they are migrating to different uh, different uh, groups, right? They, we have the not to lose customers, which are the best ones uh, that you acquired and you don't want to lose them. Then you have potential lovers, lovers and soulmates. And as time goes by, some of them will not do anything. Some of them will become soulmates. Some of them will be lovers. Some of them will become ex-lovers, right? Because they used to be lovers. They had the highest recency, the highest frequency and the highest monetary value. And now they have the lowest recency. So time went on and they haven't come back. And we also have these one night standards as we call them the don't ones, right? They bought once, high value, and you haven't heard from them. And you need to understand which are those, uh, those customers. So all in all, that's what I wanted to, to, to show you so that you can understand the dynamic of how the RFM group works. And you can build flows for those particular key moments where you need to yep. change how they behave. We're all in the business of changing customer behavior here. Yeah, that's super interesting. So it essentially allows you to personalize the customer journey in a much more effective way. How much influence do you think we have over those segments? Let's say, for example, if you fall into... Um, you know, the, the ones where you're a churn risk, like about to dump you, you're in the potential lovers, soulmates. Yeah. Is there like a natural tendency for people to just fall in them irrespective? I'm not saying like, you know, we shouldn't do anything to try and influence yeah. the customer experience. I'm just wondering in your experience, do we have like as much control? I think, you know, a lot of marketers think they have superpowers sometimes as well. Like they can magically set, magically send a 20% offer to someone and all of a sudden, you know, they've got huge CLV. Like how much um, control do we have over these segments? Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Adam. And what I think it's, uh, we are in this trap of, uh, if we squeeze the data, it can confess anything. So if we're using yeah. the right angle, you can state that we've made 80% uplift on X, Y, or Z. Uh, there are four different campaigns in the CVO. The acquisition campaigns, the onboarding campaigns, the prevention campaigns, and the reactivation campaigns. The hardest are the reactivation campaigns, then the prevention ones, then the onboarding ones, and then the acquisition ones. So the easiest is to do customer acquisition because people have the intent, they are there with your product, you can do ads, you can do a lot of things. Then the onboarding is crucial. So as the recency goes down, the window of opportunity is shrinking. Yeah. So the chances for a customer to place another order is going down as time go, go, goes by. So depending on the vertical that the company is, you have a limited window of opportunity. For instance, many companies are bombarding customers every week with their newsletters. And uh, they have these flows every week because that's the way it went. But maybe your uh, purchase cycle is that you are buying, uh, uh, I don't know, let's say you are selling uh, some uh, beauty products and the ladies that are your customers are buying every two months. So up until two months, you don't need to bombard them with any kind of uh, buy again, buy one, get one, whatever. You need to make sure that they are making progress. So you can influence that. Some of the best success stories and here, I'm, I'm really cautious with to disclose, hey, we've got this uplift or the other, because this is so, uh, so dependent on the size of the business, you know? If you have a business with 1 million customers, it's very, very hard to improve customer retention because you have long gone customers. You have a lot of them. I mean, you, 
you have more than 60% of the customers are lost already. So you can't uh, bring the, the dead uh, alive. You know, you can't revive them. You have, we have this saying here. But the, the, what you can do, though, is to increase the onboarding, right? I think the best campaigns and the most crucial ones, which are the most neglected, are the onboarding campaigns. So mm -hmm. Making sure that they know how to use the product. They know the benefits. They know your narrative, your positioning. You make sure you have a community. So if you get them in your community, if you make sure that they know how cool your brand it is, if you know, make sure that they know how to use your product and they are making progress in their lives with your product, there you go. So we had all sorts of uh, uplifts from 11% in uh, six months in terms of all the returning customers for, to, to 65% yeah, to, to, low, to smaller companies. But this is, again, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's safe and healthy to say, to state something like with the RFM segmentation, you can get 45% uplift because it's crazy. If you have a small company and you haven't done anything for your customer journey, you can do dramatic results. If you have a large company and you've done a lot of stuff, so RFM is going to bring incremental increases and it's also going to help you to do uh, not only better emails, better ads and better customer journey and better products, but also better website experience. So you can personalize the website according to how valuable is the, is the customer. I think it, it's good to be pragmatic. And as you said, incremental gains can be the difference these days, especially more so than ever between winning and losing because with the costs of ads on a lot of platforms, we need to really strive for that optimization. Otherwise, uh, what we've seen, right? Like the last year, I think a lot of companies are in trouble, like massive trouble, and they really need to look, look at this seriously. The, so this, that brings us on nicely, actually, to the final points. Um, before I go into that, we should actually do another live session. This is another idea where we craft like the perfect onboarding experience for someone with all the key objectives. Yeah, we need like a whiteboard and to map everything out. It'd be really cool. Um, so, okay. So you mentioned like obviously the store with the example of the million customers. And obviously there's smaller stores as well and, and everything in between. Yeah. Where is it practical and when will you get results from focusing on RFM? Should it be a case of everyone from the beginning? Is there specific industries? For example, mm -hmm. is it better suited to consumer packaged goods versus yeah. buying furniture, for example? I, I suppose I've put a lot of questions into there together. But if you could summarize, like, who should be focused the most on RFM and who has the most to gain from it right now, that would be good. Yeah, I think the, the the most leverage you can get if your purchase frequency is higher than 1.5. So if you're making, each of your customers are making in average 1.5 orders, I think you should definitely do RFM segmentation. Uh, but if your, your business is very small, you can use uh, RFM segmentation just to validate. So it's just for research purposes. You, you can't, uh, leverage it uh, in terms of personalizing things and whatever, but you can make sure that you're acquiring the right customers, right? Because you can look at the customers which are buying over and over again, despite all the barriers you put in front of them, despite all your customer experience hiccups, despite uh, all your, uh, I don't know, contradictory messaging, they buy over and over again from you. So you can do customer research at the beginning 
if you're in the game where customer retention is important. While if you're, so if you're on CPG, if you're on beauty, if you're on books, if you're on all these verticals, you know, uh, it's more important to focus on customer retention. But as the company grows, I think if you want to leverage not only for the customer research purposes, but if you want to do website personalization and email and ads and whatever, you should be focusing on the RFM after the revenue from the returning customers is more than 30% of the total revenue, or after you have more than 30,000 customers in total from the, from the, day, from the first day of your, of your store. From there onwards, it's vital to do it. I think you're missing out a lot of opportunities and it's crazy to believe that you've crafted the best customer journey and you, you have the most compelling and relevant uh, messages to everyone. Very, very succinctly put. And with that being said, I think we're going to bring it to a close now. But Valentin, thank you very much for your time. Um, I know you've got a ton of resources on the website as well. So um, I'm going to drop them in the comments if anyone wants to learn more about RFM. And if they want to connect with you, I suppose LinkedIn, obviously. Yeah, I'm a LinkedIn person. And also, I, I want to plug something in here, Adam. We, yeah. have, uh, we have some free courses in the CVO Academy. I don't know where to point. Yeah. So <laughs> we have some, uh, some free courses uh, in, in the CVO Academy. You can, uh, everyone which wants to get some uh, more knowledge around RFM and customer behavior, we have this. Uh, place where nine different, nine different professors, uh, book authors, e-commerce practitioners are disclosing their, uh, their perspectives about how to improve customer lifetime value and uh, consumer behavior. Amazing. I'll make sure to drop that link in the comments as well so everyone can check them out. But uh, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I will speak to you soon. Perfection. Thanks a lot, Adam, for having me here. And uh, to, to you, I, I really appreciate that you've spent time with us to, to, to hear about these uh, advanced uh, concepts and uh, good luck in your uh, endeavors. Thank you very much. Multimask. <laughs> Perfect. All good.